Welcome to the Leading Search Guidance Podcast. My name is Donnick O'Mahony and I'm a secondary school guidance counsellor. I also run the Leaving Cert Guidance Instagram page. On today's show, I chat with Dr. Martina Fazarekmanova from 65 Points. We discuss the traits of the elite student and discuss why the amount of students getting over 600 points has increased the last few years. But first, I interview Gubna O'Shaughnessy and Dervla O'Reilly from Trinity College. We discuss a new course and offer at Trinity College from 2021 and also discuss the more popular and established courses at the university. I'm joined by Gubna Dashaknasi, EU Student Recruitment Manager from Trinity College Dublin, and Dervla O'Reilly, Regional Manager at Trinity College Dublin. Dervla and Gubna, you're very welcome onto the Leave and Cert Guidance Podcast. Thank you, Donica. Nice to be here. Great. Well, it's been a great year for Trinity College, and I suppose a great year if you're working in student recruitment as well in Trinity College, because points in Trinity skyrocketed, um, and we saw four courses at the college going over the 600 point mark and I suppose you could put medicine in that as well was at 735 so you probably wanted over 600 points in your even cert as well to get near that so it seems to be down to pure volume of applicants applying to Trinity College this year and, and of course Trinity had the highest number ever uh, applicants this year as well with an 11% increase on last year so why do you what, what do you attribute that to? Um, so I guess um, we have been making a kind of concerted efforts to try and make Trinity seem more accessible to students. And we have been trying to get on the road as much as possible and, and give students access to, to information. Um, so we, we moved online as early as we could once the lockdown happened in, in March. Um, so we did kind of some thematic webinars um, that we tried to get as many students as possible to go along to. And we also increased um, the number of school visits that we could do last year as well. So I think and um, we're, we're basically just trying to get the information out there that anyone who, who may be interested in Trinity gets the opportunity to learn more about it um, and and hopefully apply. And um, so, yeah, we were kind of trying to get a kind of as wide a range of students as possible to apply because we are very interested in having kind of a, a broad spectrum of, stu- of diverse kind of students in, in our campus. But most people and a lot of I think what we were trying to get across to Evelyn was the kind of whole picture of what being a Trinity student is like being in the heart of the city, being in the heart of the, the capital city and through our webinar series that we run in June. Um, we, we'd like to think that maybe the increase in applications was somewhat attributed to that, that we gave people a, a better picture as to what life looks like at Trinity, not only studying here, but also the kind of supports that are in place and the wide variety of activities that people can get involved in here too. So it must be very frustrating for you guys with all the hard work that you put in to see newspaper articles attributing all these numbers to normal people. <laughs> oh, that's our pet hate. No, it's going by... <laughs> I don't think that is why. Um, we're obviously no, delighted that the popularity of this, aren't we, Dervla? We're delighted with the popularity of it. And it just shows the quality of, I suppose, with the amount of people from Trinity, both from the Lair, from our School of English, which is one of the top 50 in the world, involved in normal people. It just shows the caliber of the degree that you can get from here and the kind of quality that Trinity produces in its graduates. So why wouldn't people want to come, you know, as well? Excellent. Uh, so what I kind of want to get straight into, a lot of students every year ask me, what is the matriculation exam for Trinity College? How does it work? And then when they delve in into it a little bit more, they ask, you know, why geology and biblical studies? Um, so the reason that they had geology and biblical studies kind of historically was that you weren't able to do those subjects at leaving certain level. Now, it's sort of changed slightly in the geography. The geography curriculum is, is a bit broader now, but at the time, um, you weren't able to do either. For the leave search, so it was to give students an opportunity to be able to kind of 
showcase their knowledge in those areas, I suppose. So it's it's more a kind of historic reason as to why those two subjects um, have have matriculation exams. Um, in terms of how they work, they're kind of a standalone. They're kind of standalone uh, exams that you can do yourself. You'd normally sit them in college, although this year they were uh, they they were not able to do them in person. And um, but ordinarily you would do them um, in person. And they would be marked the same as a leaving suit subject, essentially, and you could use them instead of a leaving suit subject for for points. So, when did it take place? You know, um, you know what, what's the, what's the application process look like? Um, yeah, so all the details are online. If you go to, um, I, I'll send you a link afterwards in terms yeah. of where they could find it in a, in our admissions uh, in our admissions section. Um, normally, you would uh, apply for it in the spring, and it would happen around Easter time. It happened slightly later this year. They had postponed it, hoping that they could do it in person, and then that wasn't possible. So it was it was sent out to people to, to be sent back. But ordinarily, it would be it would be done in person normally around Easter time. So this is open kind of to any six years or any CEO applicants who are applying for yeah. Trinity College and you can replace the points from this subject uh, in exchange for one of the six. Exactly. Um, but I, obviously you'd still need to meet matri- minimum matriculation. Like, so you have to have done your English and your maths and your language and so on and any subject requirements. But for points, you could replace those yeah, with, with those from another subject. Uh, I want to talk about your joint honours course in Trinity College, which has changed from what used to be called two-subject moderatorship. And it seems now more than ever, there seems to be more option in this joint honours for students than there had been before. Um, yeah, so so basically that, that that was one of the aims of, we did a thing called the Trinity Education Project. Uh, and basically the, the college took into account what employers wanted from students, what students wanted, what our professors thought, um, to kind of tailor our programme to, to give our students the graduate attributes that they think would be useful for them in society and for them, they're getting jobs. And I suppose some of the feedback that came back from that, that was that students wanted more flexibility um, in terms of um, their pathways through college. And um, so the joint honours programme was brought in to give them that extra bit of, of, uh, of flexibility. So essentially what you can do is, as you could before, you can take two subjects and do the two of them for a full four years. You could potentially um, drop one after third year and focus more on the other one. So have a major and a minor. And what we can also do now, which you couldn't do before, is you can potentially drop one of them after first year and fully focus on the other one as a single honor subject. Now, that will depend on, on timetables and availability and things like that. But it is possible to do that. And additionally, if you're doing a single honor subject, but it is available uh, as a combination with the joint honor subject, you could potentially take up a second subject in second year and do that as a minor and have your original subject as your as your major and so a little bit more flexibility there we're also trying to bring some other um subjects that we maybe weren't traditionally part of the tsm and bring them in and um at the moment some of them have still got the same combinations as they did before but they've been worked into the timetable that um more subject combinations could be added with them over time so it's kind of a really good table, isn't there, Derva, in our prospectus as well, that's well worth checking out. There's a really good table to view the combinations there to see what you can study together and what kind of flexibility does exist there as well with the subject choices. Yeah, so in the in the prospectus in the last couple of years, we haven't had the full combination of subjects there together because they wanted people to kind of look at focusing on the individual subjects they want to do. But I know guidance counselors and parents and students themselves want to see the full combination of every combination they can see. And um, so that grid is now back in the timetable, but or back in the prospectus. But also on each individual subject page, it does list all the subjects that you can do in combination with it as well. I think, um, it's, so there's, I think it's on the CEO booklet as well, the... the 
the combination table as well. And yeah. uh, a few more combinations that have come out in the last couple of years is with modern languages as well. Yeah, so um, I think this might have caused a little bit of confusion for people last year. So I'm kind of glad you brought it up. But basically what they've changed, they've kind of grouped modern languages together. Um, but you still have the option to take individual languages within it. Um, so you might want to choose, um, say, maths and a language or whatever combination you might want to do. And in this CAO, you will say X subject and a modern language. But then in the CAO, you will see a drop down and you can pick which language that is. And um, additionally, if you wanted to do two subjects together, so you might do French and a modern language and then have the drop down and then choose German from that. And um, so sometimes students are a bit unsure because um, it'll be French and a modern language. And a modern language might be German. And then when they go to pick German and a modern language, they can't see French on the timetables. So they just need to make sure they, they pick it in the right order on the yeah. CAO. But in terms of the subjects you're doing, it's all still available. You can still do like a lot of, you still have a lot of choice in the languages. It's just more the way that it's worded and grouped um, on the, the CAO. It was, it was to try to streamline it a bit and then have the drop down afterwards. And um, so we're hoping that, that students can still find that relatively easily. And uh, outside um, the joint honours, it is very accessible for students to do a language uh, kind of outside the health sciences, I suppose. But if you're doing your law or your engineering or, or whatever the case may be, uh, you still can pick a language as an elective as well. Yeah, which is really great. And it's not just languages. So we brought in, again, as part of this Trinity Education Project, we brought in electives uh, as something that we thought would help um, kind of broaden students' experience and let them delve into other subjects that they mightn't have tried before. And um, so they have an option to take um, Trinity electives and an option to take open modules. And the Trinity electives are standalone modules, so they're not part of any other course. And, and students across most of our courses can take them. And they include a range of languages, including Chinese, French, German, and um, so lots of different choices. And they will do with the language and the culture, which is nice. Um, so it's a little bit broader than the language alone and you can do it at different levels. So if you might have done a your leaving cert already, you can you can choose to do it at a higher level. And um, but you can also take a range of other modules, such as um, say there's one there on vaccines, on cancer research, on travel writing. Um, and you don't have to have any backgrounds in any of those. It's really just to give people a, a broader education. So they're focusing on their subject still, but they can try and um, try these as well. Then the open modules that we have are modules that exist in another course. So say you might be doing something in, um, in uh, say, geography or something, and maybe something in environmental science might lend itself well or complement your course well. You can take a module from a related course um, and they'll have a list. They're quite specific. So they're specific to your course because they're ones that complement your course well, but the electives are, are for almost everybody. Uh, they're hugely popular, aren't they, electives? The electives, when we're talking to students, they really like the flexibility to be able to kind of like, because, you know, we're interested in more than one thing. All of us as humans are interested in more than one thing. And likewise for a Trinity student, that they can pursue their passions outside of their area, their subject area that they're picking for their degree as well. I think it offers lots of um, choice there for students as well. Exactly. And they have the choice to do that in their second or third year. And then we also have, if, if they are interested in languages, we have a lot of international student societies and they would have kind of language exchanges and kind of international festivals and food tastings and things like that as part of them. So there's there's a chance to kind of participate in that way as well, which is which is lovely. You mentioned Chinese there as, as one of the electives. Is that fairly new to Trinity College? Um, it is. Well, the electives, I think I'm not definite actually when that came in, because we used to have you could take languages even when I was a student. It is like 20 years ago, you, we could take a language on, on the side. Things have evolved since then. 
Um, I think at the time they tended to kind of um, be a little more aligned with, say, leave inserts and A-level subjects that people were doing. I think that's expanded out further. And then with the electives, it's expanded further further again. So I'm not definite how long actually we've had that available, but it has been for at least a couple of years anyway. So Trinity are quite famous for their acronyms when it comes to different courses <laughs> like BESS and PPES and MSIS as well. And uh, students might often hear these acronyms and not be quite sh- sure, you know, what each of them are. So we, we might delve a little bit into them. Uh, the first one then is BESS. Can you tell us, uh, Governor and Dervla, what is BESS? Sure. So um, BESS is, is kind of our longest running business course, um, but it's, it's not just a business course, I should say. Um, but it is a business, economics, sociology and politics. And the great thing about BESS is that you get to try a little bit of everything in first year. So you get to try all four subjects, business, economics, sociology and politics, decide what you like the most. And then at the end of your first year, you decide what you want to specialize in. So you can do a single honours degree in any one of the four or a joint honours degree in any combination of the two. So you're applying to BESS, but you've actually got 10 different degrees that you can do at the end of it. And so I think what students like is that it is it is quite broad in terms of what you study. And then you've got that flexibility um, and there are no caps on class sizes or anything. So whatever combination you choose to do, you can do. And then you can decide to focus more, obviously, as you go through from second year onwards. The multidisciplinary aspect of it as well, I think, means that the graduates come out with quite a, you know, doing a business course, standalone business course means that you just study that. Whereas with this, you have the kind of the sociological aspects of it, the economic aspects of it. So it's quite like, you know, you're coming at it from all angles, I suppose. So you have that multidisciplinary understanding of the of the business world as well. So it's a really popular course. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably one of the most popular courses in Trinity. I, I always get a lot of students ask me about this. Uh, but like you're saying, it's, it's government is very multidisciplinary and even students kind of get a feel for things they might not have studied before you know they could be business orientated when they were in school and then they get a chance at politics they get a chance at uh, sociology even i saw a few of the electives you can try law you can keep your language so it's you know there's a great range in best i think it's brilliant I think it's reflective of the world within which we live. Like, I mean, you know, the business environment doesn't exist in isolation in a vacuum. It's, you know, it is influenced, as we can see more recently with the the pandemic, you know, it's influenced by so many different factors. And that's, you know, I think the course would probably reflect that, really. Yeah. And students then can, you would do all four business, economics, social science and politics, plus your Mm -hmm. electives in the first year. After that, then you can decide to pick one. You can decide to pick two. What way does it work? Yeah, so you can you can focus on one in particular. So if you wanted, you could go and do your bachelor's in business or you could do, say, business and economics, sociology and politics, whatever it might be. Um, if students have a look in the prospectus, there's actually a fairly comprehensive table in there and they can see the modules that they can choose from in each one. Obviously, if you're choosing one discipline rather than a, a joint honours, you'll do you'll do more subjects in that area. Otherwise, you, you can spread them out and you can choose what you want to focus in a little bit more. But yeah, you have free choice to pick to focus fully on one or on a combination of two areas plus electives and things like that on the side and i saw an article in the irish times recently that said best graduates are some of the highest earning graduates uh, in all of ireland 
I've heard actually MSIS graduates are, are very well paid, but I, I suppose it's hard to get a measure of all that stuff. But they they certainly in terms of milk rounds and students coming in to, or, and companies coming in to recruit students. And it, it's certainly a popular option, um, as, as are many of our courses. But, now, um, yeah, you just mentioned MSIS there. Um, and it's it's a course that really strikes me. And I've heard uh, a number of students who've done the undergrad in MSIS be recruited by top multinational companies before they even finish their degree. Can you tell us what exactly then MSIS is? Yeah, so in, in MSIS, so MSIS is actually a funny one because it's housed in the Department of Computer Science and, T- and Statistics. Um, but they would do kind of some data science as part of it. They would do some business courses as part of it. And they would have shared. So I, I, I lived with an MSIS student when I was living on campus and I did engineering and she shared our, our engineering maths classes. And so what they do is they kind of get a little bit of an insight into lots of different elements of the business world, both from the business side, from the tech side. And so they have quite a broad base there. They also have kind of industry, industry speakers come in. They tend to do their projects it, kind of linked to an industry um, so I think that makes them quite employable at the end of it. I know like a lot of their class would go on to say do management consultancy. I know the ones say from my year who I would have known pretty well. A few of them got on to set up their own businesses, got on to become traders. So it's really broad because it has both the business focus and a fairly um, a fairly mathematical approach as well. Um, and they kind of have have a little bit of skill in everything, a jack of all trades, I suppose. Quite practical as well, isn't it? In the application of like yeah. that, they can actually learn skills that they can apply in the real world. So I suppose that's why they that they would be more employable to to employers or more attractive to employers, should I say, as well that they can problem solve and they do. That's what they do within the course. So then going out into the real world, that's what employers are looking for as well as those kind of analytical problem solving skills. Yeah, because you don't see many courses that combine both business and tech, or business and IT, and and they really come hand to hand so as you were saying it's very practical to have business and tech come together uh, and, and you know it's it's generally either you do computer science or you do business but the combination of both is not really seen is it yeah it's surprising because you think it would happen more and more and i think um i think that they yeah it is definitely it was before it's time i think when it came out so, first yeah, so yeah. it's um yeah and it was 613 points this year so obviously very very popular with students now it's also quite a small class, I would okay, say yeah. as well. So, so that that kind of sometimes <laughs> will make the points a little bit higher too. So it is a relatively small class, but they, they so they're on their own for some classes. But then they would be in with Bess and they would be in with the uh, engineering and um, for for other classes. So they get to kind of have their small class teaching, but also kind of interaction with other courses as well. And another popular acronym in Trinity College is PPES. So what are we talking about when we're talking PPES? So PPS is, is very similar to BESS, except that instead of business, you've got philosophy and then you still get to try all the other the other subjects as well. So philosophy, economics, sociology and politics. And then the same idea where you get to try a bit of everything, explore all those areas and then decide what you want to specialize in. So I think I think these are becoming increasingly popular because um, students might not necessarily definitely know what they want to do. Like you were kind of saying earlier, that, or they might have done something in school and maybe they've never had the chance to study philosophy before and they're not really sure what it's about. So it's nice to be able to try it for a year, decide, like try before you buy, yeah. decide if, yeah. if it's something for you and then and then you know what you want to focus in more. And even just having a knowledge from first year, I think is um, is still really helpful when you go on afterwards. Because I know I found the same even when I was doing engineering and it's the same for our science courses. When you do the t- the kind of core years in first year, 
and second year, they really do stand to you, even if you don't look at the other disciplines afterwards. Just if you're if you're working in industry with people from other areas, I think it really helps that you've had a, a broader foundation. I know as a guidance counselor as well, I, I much prefer when a student goes into a very broad first year where they can then decide in second and third and fourth year if they want to narrow their focus down and what they want to do exactly. Because it's it's hugely different, the transition from secondary school to third level. And to narrow your focus so much um, going straight in is not something I think is for everybody. It is for some people, absolutely. But I love when students pick a broader approach when they're picking something to study in college. Yeah, it's no, I, scope, I, I think. Doesn't it for your future? It gives yeah. you lots of scope for your future. You know, it's in at 17, I think I know at 17, I definitely made the wrong choice when I went to university and I discovered that when I was 40, you know, went back and did something <laughs> else. But you know, I think it's it's difficult to make a decision at that age that is going to maybe you think this is it for the rest of your life when it's and a course like that gives you the opportunity to kind of explore different areas that you might be passionate about, but that you also areas, as you say, like philosophy driven that you mightn't have done at school, but then how that connects in with um the world you know the course that you're doing and the world within which we live as well and uh, now trinity also have a very topical new course coming out uh, what's coming out new next year oh so we're very excited about this well i'm excited because i'm completely biased because i did engineering and we're doing an environmental science and engineering course and um, that is starting in 2021 and um, so that obviously that's going to have a focus on kind of sustainability climate change trying to look at and solutions to some of these huge problems that we have in the world at the moment. Um, and I suppose this, this might be for students that maybe they're not sure if they want to go down the engineering or the applied science route. And they have the chance to have a kind of core focus on, on environmental science and engineering together with them, um, with lectures from both, uh, both natural sciences and from engineering uh, for the first three years. And then they can specialize after that and they can either do a four year bachelor's or a five year master's. And um, the bachelors will either then be down either the science, uh, the applied environmental science or the environmental engineering, engineering route. So, again, you know, you have an interest in in uh, in the environment, but you're not sure how actually you want to focus that. This is a really good, good opportunity. Yeah, again, I love that broad focus of, of engineering and science. And again, there's there's not many courses where you get the opportunity to study both in first year before you decide uh, what you kind of leap into. So I really like the idea of that. And it's quite a unique course, I think, really, both nationally and internationally to have that kind of combination of both the kind of engineering problem solving the, the world within which we live kind of thing, emerging problems that are there and, you know, emerging solutions as well. And then combining that. So it is it is a, it is a really groundbreaking course. We're, we're really excited about it, aren't we, Derva? Like, I mean, to, to make our graduates as well, though, they're coming out of it practical you know, have the practical skills that will go out there. They will be really employable graduates for sure coming out to this course and to have that possibility of a, of an integrated masters as well is is a great opportunity yeah exactly I and mean, it's the same now across our engineering and computer science courses so they can either do a four-year bachelor's or a five-year integrated masters and the great thing if they do the integrated masters is that in their first in their fourth year and they can study abroad for a semester or a year they can do an internship as far as of it or we have a program called unitech where they can do um, an internship abroad and study abroad, and um, so I think um, it, it just leaves a lot of a lot of options open to people. Well, the study abroad is becoming so popular. Um, when I have a guidance session with a student, one of the first questions they ask is, "What are the Erasmus possibilities? What are the study abroad possibilities?" So it's great to to hear there's, and of course, Trinity College is renowned for the partnerships they have in Erasmus and study abroad as well. 
Yeah, so we have over 250 exchange partners um, and the, the students, have, I guess, have options. They, they have two different options if they want to study abroad. So normally, aside from when you're doing an integrated master's in a normal four-year degree, um, you'd have the option to study abroad for a semester or a year in your third year. Um, and, and normally you'll have um, our Erasmus partnerships tend to be at a, a departmental level. So the School of English will have an exchange with the School of English in another university and they will exchange between them. And it's quite a focused exchange. But we've also got college wide exchanges where Trinity will have an exchange. So the whole of Trinity will have an exchange with the whole of another university. For like I say, one of our more popular ones would be the University of California, um, and they, they see it at Berkeley, UCLA, all of that. And students from lots of different subjects can apply for those exchanges. So you can do the ones that are very particular to your department, or you can apply to the college-wide exchanges, and um, that are suitable for lots of different courses. And, and it means that we can have bigger exchanges with those. So we normally have about twenty places on that exchange each year. Um, so. There's, there's a lot of scope for students to go places. And normally, yeah. if you had language as part of your course, you would you would have it as a mandatory study abroad in the language that you're studying, because it's obviously a core part of your degree. And um, But even if you're not doing a language as part of your course, there are lots, lots of options to either study abroad in English or, or to study abroad in another language if you choose. We have lots of bilingual students um, who may choose to do that um, anyway, but lots of, lots of flexibility there. So about 40% of our students study abroad at the moment, we're aiming to increase that to above above 50%, which would be which would be fantastic. And there's lots of support there in terms of Erasmus funding, in terms of travel bursaries and things like that, because we do want it to be something that's accessible to everyone. And if, say, you're studying abroad as, as a mandatory part of your degree, and um, sometimes your Susie Grant would travel as well. So it, it is definitely, a, we want it to be as accessible as possible to, to everybody. We totally do. We actually encourage our students, don't we? We're looking to ha- hope that 50% of our students will study abroad as part of their degree because it's just, you know, the experience of a different educational institution, a different educational system as well, and how that will enhance your, your overall learning when you come out the other end. Well, even the 40% at the minute is massive. I didn't realise 40% of Trinity students studied abroad. That's incredible. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, a, a winter in California would be pretty nice too, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I used to organize the exchanges for the engineering school and I was always so jealous when they'd be like, oh, look where I am now. This is great. They're like, I mean, it's great educationally, but it's just great socially, too. And then kind of cross-cultural communication, all that sort of thing. Um, uh, So I think it's really nice, especially because a lot of our students might live at home. And for most of college. So for for some of them, it might be the first time they've lived away from home. So it's it's kind of a a big adventure, which which we (laughs) encourage everybody to to uh, join in. You become a global graduate, I think, then when you go out into the world. Like, I mean, you have experience of living in a different country, different continent. You are that kind of global, that the, your employability yet again will go up because of the fact that you have that kind of exposure to different cultures and different systems. Absolutely. And say outside the lecture halls, then, what has Trinity College got to offer? Well, for me, I actually think that the that the stuff that happens outside the classroom, some of it is the best stuff that we have on offer in Trinity. So um, we have so many different clubs and societies. So we've over 170 of them and they're across. So we've over 50 sports clubs. We've um, we've loads of different societies. It's ranging from uh, like student newspapers, debating societies, student radio, orchestras, lots of international societies, like I mentioned already. Then we've got subject specific societies like there's MedSoc and things like that. Um, a lot of charities, political societies, like anything and everything. And then from the sports 
Um, so we have our sports center on campus. So we have our climbing wall and our pool and our gym and things like that. And then we have kind of tennis courts, five side football pitches, things like that. And then our um, athletics grounds that are in Santry. And um, then we've got access to Island Bridge for rowing. And then a lot of our water sports, they would store their kind of um all their materials on campus but then they would go out and they would do kind of sea activities and river activities and things like that so and again it's it's very reasonable for people to join like they might pay three euros or five euros to join for the year they get a lot of funding from college and um, to buy equipment so they can share equipment and rent equipment and things like that so um it, again it's just quite accessible particularly for things like you mightn't try before like scuba diving or something like that that obviously you're not going to have your own your own rib, <laughs> your own scuba gear. So it's nice to be able to try to try those uh, and share equipment and things like that. So um, really exciting. I think I, I haven't been a student at Trinity Dunica, but I know Durable has. And I often listen to her talking about being able to kind of dip in and dip out of the societies and the activities that you're doing in between lectures because we're right there in the heart city on campus that you can actually kind of build it into your day. It doesn't just necessarily affect your study. It can, you can They can complement each other, if that makes sense. You can do an hour in the library, but then do an hour with your friends and the society or the club, exactly. the sports club. Yeah, and I think they, they we try to timetable things that way. Now, I mean, it's a bit strange this year. It's a little bit different to normal, but ordinarily, and we have a lot of training sessions and things like that, either at lunch times or after college, which means anyone doing any course can do them. Um, so I know when I was doing engineering, I captained the badminton club for a couple of years and I was involved in taekwondo and a few other things. And there was plenty of time to do that, even when you've got a fairly full timetable. Um, and it kind of just it makes you a little bit more disciplined in terms in terms of like balancing your study and making sure you're finished at certain times. And I think as well, it just helps you develop loads of extra skills. So like if you're, say, social secretary or you're arranging fixtures or you're the treasurer, um, you are just gaining lots of skills that you mightn't be able to do in another context. And you might be dealing with quite a lot of money or, or you know, big events, organizing into varsities, things like that and um, event management. And a lot of people even gain skills from those or they really develop an interest in those. They might go on and do that afterwards, even though that's not necessarily what their degree was in. And so I know we have a couple of cool videos that I really like, but I'm biased because I'm a big David O'Doherty fan. Um, oh, but they have a... <laughs> so he did best in Trinity, did but he? he started like jazz sock and he was doing comedy, uh, kind of comedy events around the place. I always um, see him cycling his bike around Dublin side. Yeah. <laughs> so shout out to David. But um, he is, um, they they had the clubs and societies. They did their kind of, I think it was their 50th anniversary or something. I thought they made a video and they actually had loads of people from different parts of societies talking about how their um, time in Trinity clubs actually affected their, influenced their whole careers. And the same with a lot of, say, our journalists that would have gone on it. They would have done different subjects in college, but would have written for the student paper. And then they've kind of gone on to do that afterwards. And um, so I think it, it opens your yet again, it's just opening your eyes to other things that you might have had a chance to do mm. before. And like I know a lot of our first years and I did it as well. You might join 40 societies in first year, <laughs> dabble in a few of them and then focus on on two or three that you might want to be involved in. And um, so the, it just gives you a chance chance to do that without having to commit too much to them at the, in the first place. And yeah, you can kind of dip in and out as much or as little as you want. 
I think a lot of kids as well, or kids, students can get caught up in the leaving search. Like, I mean, and I think there is this whole new world after the leaving search that when you do come to university, like it is about studying and making sure that you get a good degree, obviously, but it is about also enjoying life and, and you know, gaining exposure to all these variety of different new experiences that you wouldn't have had before. And that's, I think, that's the beauty of the clubs and societies and services. Like, have a whole lot of fun as well and enjoy college life because that's you know the best years of your life some people say yeah absolutely and i'm always blown away by the guests that trinity societies can get on <laughs> campus to give talks i watched a video recently of conan o'brien receiving an award in trinity <laughs> college for, from a society and i, I just I, I always think it's it's unbelievable how they can get these people to trinity college Hey, yeah, I think some of them definitely develop their networking skills and it is quite impressive so that the fill and the hist would be would be societies that would bring in quite quite well-known speakers. So they're two debating societies. Now students don't need to debate if they want to be part of them. They can choose to if they want to, they can go and listen to speakers. Um, and they they would have speakers like Joe Biden, like they would have had speakers like uh Channing Tatum, they would have had Jonah Hill. It's kind of anything and everyone. So they celebrities. And they're, they're quite strategic. So I think they look at who, who might be doing premieres, who's here for a meeting, who's doing this. So they'll do a little bit of uh, research on that and then they will invite them along. And I think there's a joke or a dean of students, well, not a joke, it's a story, an anecdote, I suppose, that our dean of students used to say where the provost, um, so the president of our college had invited, um, I can't, it might have been Joe Biden. They invited him to college to, to, to meet him and the students had already invited him and he was already coming. <laughs> um, so I think sometimes the students, they're quite autonomous. They have, they have all this and it's not, it's like they they run a lot of things independently and they, they get given um, a lot of kind of scope and independence to be able to do that, which is brilliant. Uh, and then because they get so many great speakers in, they can contact people and say, Oh, we've had all these speakers in the past. Look at this, join the, the ranks of this. And they give them medals and awards and, and, and so on. So, um, yeah, it, it's great. And, and there's some really interesting people. Mary Berry was there a while ago. Oh. Martin Scorsese. <laughs> Depending on <What>? your interests. <laughs> just everyone. name dropping now, Darabla. You're just name dropping. From Mary yeah, Berry uh, to... My good friends. <laughs> yeah, Martin Scorsese to Mary Berry. I think that's the first time I've ever heard them in the same sentence. <laughs> there that's you go. That's what I mean. So that is, they have a wide... The students have a wide range of interests, so we have a wide range of speakers. Um, but it's very much student led, which is which is brilliant. So yeah. they they can talk their way into lots of things and persuade lots of people to, to come along, which is brilliant. And again, that's a skill set that they're going to need when they leave college. Sure. You know, like you were exactly. saying earlier on, it's it's great. And of course, you're networking and you're making friends. And, and that's I always think joining societies is the easiest way to make friends in college because it can be quite overwhelming. You know, Trinity is a big campus with a big student population, so it can be overwhelming to make friends. So it's it's always ideal to join a society where people have the same interests as you I suppose exactly meet some kind of kindred spirits so it's it's nice to have friends from your course and then kind of different society friends and um, that I think you can talk to about different things that I know my friends from college tend to be from both both sectors like friends from my yeah. class and friends from Bobinson and stuff so it's uh, yeah no it's I think it's a lovely way to get to to meet people and and it's it's not as formal as trying to formally make friends and other things because if you're doing something like playing a sport or doing something like that. It's a lot easier to just chat to people in quite a natural way. Uh, and they are trying to move a lot of those societies. It's normally we have in Freshers Week, we have lots of tents set up around campus and you can chat to people there. And they've moved that to kind of an online sign up session this year. And they're still trying to do a lot of social events so that you can still get to know people 
and virtually and then hopefully hopefully soon when when things go back to normal a little bit more that they can start meeting up more in in person well Dervla, it definitely sounds like you joined 40 um different societies <laughs> Because you mentioned you did Taekwondo, you mentioned you did badminton, you know. It's a bit like Mary Berry and Martin Scorsese. How did I go into the one <laughs> the one interest? Yeah, well, sure, why not? Like, why not, why not try everything? Yeah, so yeah. it used to be in the swimming club too. It's great to just yeah, try yeah. a little bit of little bit of everything. Brilliant. So, you know, kind of one of the benefits from the pandemic and the lockdown and things like that is that I think third level higher education institutes have really brought on their social media and their accessibility for students to undergraduate students, to lecturers. I think it's amazing. What of Trinity College coming up soon that uh, students can access, uh, you know, Leaving Cert students can access? Yeah, so we, we've kind of uh, revamped our whole CAO website. Um, so we did that over the summer. And um, so if just students go on to tcd.ie backslash CAO. And they can see on there, we've got virtual campus tours and we've got weekly webinars. So every Thursday evening we do a webinar. So if students want to sign in, if their parents or teachers want to sign in, they're very welcome. And we leave time for a Q&A session um, each Thursday. Um, we've also got students and um, student ambassadors online. So this is something that kind of um, started last spring. It was, it was, was going to happen anyway, but it was just fortuitous timing that it was in place um, when the when the pandemic hit. Um, but we've got student ambassadors that you can talk to online. So these are the students that you would normally meet in person and that we would have going to schools and showing you around. And um, but they're now online. And we've got a chat button so you can kind of chat away to them about their about their student experience. So you basically get to talk to us. You get to talk to them. Um, so lots of lots of options to interact. Um, and we're doing webinars for schools as well. But our big event that's coming up is our open day. So um, Trinity, virtu- our first virtual open day um, is on Saturday, the 7th of November from 10 until 4. And um, so registrations are open now. If you just go to tcd.ie backslash open day and um, the registration is on there and um, the timetable should be up soon enough. And um, so it'll be all of our, this will be a presentation on every course, plus a lot of our support services and clubs and societies. Um, and then we'll have lots of our professors and students online answering questions for the day. Um, so we highly encourage everyone to to get involved and the materials, some of them will stay online afterwards as well. So students can look at them afterwards. But on the day, it's a really good chance to uh, interact with all the professors and students. And then we have a couple of live panel discussions uh, and tours and things like that as well. I think it's a great way as well to come along to the, like the fact that the, the open days and not only our open day, like I mean, I think a lot of the universities are doing virtual open days now. It's a great way to be able to come along and have a taster of like, you might be interested in four different things, you know, and trying to be in four different places at the one time. It's quite difficult, I think, when you go to a, an, an in-person live open day, whereas now you'll be able to kind of dip in and out from the comfort of your own bedroom, sitting room, wherever you are, and, you know, hear about the courses that you're interested in, but also ask your specific question to the person who would be teaching you, you know, on that course. So it's kind of, um, it allows people access it, access it a lot easier, I suppose. So yeah, it's definitely worth checking in. So and we have students there in the day too. More importantly, you know, yeah. we can tell you all about it. The lecturers can tell you all about it, but the students will be the ones who can tell you the real story as to what life is like underground yeah. there. And, and the, the exactly. best, the, the best research you can do is chatting to undergrad students. You know, what are the pros and cons of the course? What's it like? What do I have to do? To me, that's the best research you can do. For sure. And I, I think as well, they, they deserve credit when our numbers go up and things like that. Like the student ambassadors that we have are fantastic and they're they're such great. I know they are ambassadors, but they're such great ambassadors for the university. And they're so positive about their experience and everything. And I think they, they're, yeah, they're, they can talk to us, but we've been in college 
quite a while ago. Um, but if you talk directly to the students, I think that does give you kind of first-hand, uh, first-hand information of what's happening here and now on the different courses. So that's the virtual open day, Saturday, 7th of November from 10 until 4. Gubnet and Dervle from Trinity College Dublin, thank you so much for coming on to the Leaving Cert Guidance Podcast. It's much appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Like thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. I'm joined now by Martina Fezrek Manova. Uh, Martina runs the 625 uh, Leaving Cert website for, for notes and things like that. Martina, you're very welcome onto the Leaving Cert Guidance Podcast. Hi, Donica. Thank you for having me. And hello to our lovely audience. Thank you for tuning in. Brilliant. So, Martina, kind of if you could tell the listeners a bit about yourself and what your educational academic background is. Sure. So I founded 65 Points 10 years ago. In my day job, I'm a medical doctor. In terms of my academic background, I got eight A1s in my leaving cert some years ago. Then I went to Trinity College and did medicine, followed by a master's with the business school. And for completion's sake, since we're talking about academia, I have a couple of publications under my belt and I do the odd bit of examining in medicine. So tell us, how did you end up in Trinity College in both the school, the medical school and the business school? Um, so medicine was always my aspiration. I wanted to do that. Uh, but right after I finished, um, this was uh, not long after the financial crash uh, that affected Ireland so much and was very protracted. So between the fact that I had skulls and that very uh, luxurious option of uh, getting a master's with not that much expense and just my curiosity about what had happened and wanting to get out of uh, the medical world because it's just so um, particular and so engulfing. I wanted to see what what else is going on in the world because I didn't really fully understand it. So I took a, it was basically like a glorified year off for me. I did a master's and it's very hard to compare a master's and a five-year undergraduate degree. But of course, the dynamic of the two schools was quite different. And I imagine it's probably down to it reflecting the nature of what uh, they taught. Um, Trinity is very big and very diverse. Um, people come from all kinds of um, places within the country and abroad. And uh, on a you know less important note, I suppose it has some beautiful gardens, beautiful architecture, which made me very happy when I was there. And uh, the central location, I really loved. Yeah, it's brilliant. And and you'd mentioned skulls there that you, you, you got the scholarship for second year. Thing. And that's kind of uh, skulls got great exposure over the last year, as did Trinity College. Can you tell us what the process for skulls is and, and, and how you found that experience? Yeah, so skulls was probably the highlight of my whole experience with Trinity. For me, it's the most positive thing and what sets Trinity apart from uh, everywhere else, I think. Uh, so for medics, the way it works at the time was that we had to get a certain minimum set of grades uh, in, and then that's to qualify. And then we had to sit an additional exam in a special topic. Um, for us, it was memory, which is funny because I ended up uh, doing a lot of geriatrics later. And I, along with my uh, uh, two best friends we formed an informal study group and we got through the assigned reading 
um, together and uh, we all managed to get skulls. Um, and that, that was great. It's a great little community and it's an overwhelming privilege. I spent four years living on campus, which really changed my whole experience of college life in a very positive way. Yeah, so you have that experience, as we said earlier, of um, both the medical school and the business school. So kind of, can, can you explain to us, because you mentioned earlier that there is, their, their approach is very different. Could you explain kind of what was the difference that you found? Um, I guess the medical degree is very practical. It's very vocational. It's a little bit like a very uh, academically challenging apprenticeship, if you will, because there is a huge part of it that's shadowing doctors and being on the wards and finding your way and finding the patients to interview. And um, it was kind of the dynamic was was different. Um, on top of all of that, and the practical element, there was the big academic element. Uh, in the business school, it was a lot more, um, a lot more like a desk job, if that makes sense. Like we would be given an assignment, let's say. And it was very interesting, but you could, from, you know, your laptop, explore anything you wanted about, I don't know, the Chinese currency, let's say. I remember doing a big assignment on that. Um, it was very fascinating, uh, but just the the dynamic was different. Um, and I think that the people there were uh, very interesting. Like a lot of them ended up uh, going into banking, uh, into fund management. Someone ended up in the likes of McKinsey, Goldman Sachs, the Treasury in the US, all different directions whereas in medicine you're probably going to be a doctor of some description but still it's kind of um it's much more zoomed in if that makes sense in terms of the the kind of future that you might expect so how do you feel like then that the leave insert might have and your success in the leave insert because you have mentioned you got eight a1s that it set you up um for that academic journey in your undergrad undergrad medicine yeah, um, in undergrad medicine, you're certainly expected to cover a lot of uh, ground academically. And, you know, people often talk about uh, remembering things and regurgitating things in a very negative way. And I can understand why. However, it's a pretty fundamental part of medicine. Like you just need to know the dose of adrenaline and adenosine and all the things that you need to know the dose of and what sequence to give them in and when to you know what I mean it's just uh, a huge amount of uh, learning that uh, there's just no getting around. So you got full marks in your leave insert and then you after a while you'd set up the 65 points website and you surrounded yourself um, with contributors to the website who all got 625 points so what do you see as the common denominator um, between yourself and the people you work with who got 625 points in their leave insert? You know, there is not really all that much in common, except perhaps the obvious, which is the ability to work really hard uh, when they need to and the ability to be quite goal directed, again, in a certain domain, not in everything in life, but within a certain context. Some people are very serious. Some people are super chilled out. So uh, it's not like there's just one personality type in my experience. So kind of for people then who are trying to achieve very high points, what would you say would set them apart from others 
who are also looking to get that uh, the higher scale of points in the Leaving Cert? I think it's very important to not lose uh, your motivation and within reason to work consistently. It's only human to have weeks when you're going to work harder and then weeks when you take the foot off the pedal a bit. But just don't let that uh, become too much uh, because if you do, you'll be paying for it with interest later. Um, Okay. And, you know, when it comes to study then with students, that's 625 points that they're looking for, you know, how much time should they dedicate to study and homework? How do you combine both? You know, is homework considered study? Um, should you, you know, because we don't want an element of burnout um, by doing so much in September and October. You know, it's a long year to June. So, you know, how do students who are looking for that um, top end grade really cope with the amount of work they have to do? So I usually suggest that people do about three hours a night uh, on average if they're not uh, behind on their work. If they are, they may need to put in more. Uh, There's no one size fits all. This is generalization. And also as a generalization, we have a little table on our website where you can look up, you know, what stage you're at, where you want to get, and the predicted hours that we think uh, would make it work for you. In terms of homework versus study, it really depends. Um, If you feel that the homework is actually accomplishing the same goal as study would, which for the most part it tends to, uh, then you can count that in as part of three hours. Uh, It's very important all the same to take ownership uh, of what you're doing and not fully rely on what you're doing in class. Um, to that end, we have a lot of pre-prepared study plans uh, that will help you see where those gaps may be in your knowledge, in your study, um, and also lots of examples of the kind of work that you're expected to produce uh, if you're to do well in your exams. And I suppose you mentioned that at the start, it's not one size fits all for each student. Some can take in the information in a relatively short period of time, some need as you said, three hours, even longer at the weekend, maybe if they're... But it is important that with all this work, that there is some downtime for the student as well. 100%, yeah. And what would you recommend? Do you recommend exercise? Do you recommend just even watching TV, you know, completely letting the body shut down? Or what would you think? I think it really depends. And even within the context of a given person, it can be a different thing you know, week on week. Some weeks you might just feel like having a blanket day and uh, watching Selling Sunset. And another week you might uh, go out and exercise and read the Iliad. Like I don't know. It depends on the mood you're in, the weather outside, what you're going through in life, what you're inspired by, what's on your mind. Just the, the thing is try to distract yourself in a healthy way. So we saw kind of in... Um Trinity College this year, there's four courses that are over 600 points. You know, there's two in UCD, there's one in UCC. Uh, This year was a very different year to other years. We saw 3.1% of students got over 600 points. But in the last few years, that has been growing. We saw in 2017, 1.1% of students got over 600 points. 2018, 1.3% got over 600 points. 2019, 1.4% got over 600 points. So we can see that the top end of the point scale 
um, is starting to become more achievable for students and, and that percentage is starting to grow and grow. Why do you think that is the case? You know, it must be all, all the people using our website. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think that there is a, a certain amount of, of noise within that uh, rather than signal. Um especially this year, because this year is such an outlier for obvious reasons. I wouldn't get too excited about that. All the same, I think uh, it means that uh, more people are hedging their bets and choosing um, courses and careers uh, that lead to more secure and higher paying jobs. Uh, That may be, I can't be certain, due to some global factors, like perhaps people were anticipating, uh, you know, 10, 12 years since the previous recession, a next recession, which we're probably heading into now with coronavirus, something like that. Yeah, it seems to be those those degrees where you come out with a career at the end of it seem to have gotten more popular, particularly like the health sciences. And we saw dentistry, the points went up huge this year. Medicine, despite all the extra places, the points went up very high. Mm. But it seems to be the courses where you are qualified, like you were saying, at the end of your degree seem to be the most popular now. Mm. So with that, what kind of advice would you give to students, um, you know, who are looking to secure those top grades and top points? What would you advise? Obviously, pop onto 625 Points website and see the notes and, and what's on top. Because I've only ever heard great reviews uh, from students who use 65 points, so it's brilliant. But what advice would you give with that? I think that most people have the work ethic and most people have the ability. So for a lot of people, what's um, letting them down perhaps is how motivated they really are to get into the nitty gritty and keep chipping away at it. Um, it's a question of why you need to do so well and how much you're prepared to fight for it not to sound negative. Um, And it's not like it's one day you'll sit down and you'll figure it out and then you're set for two years or however many years uh, you've left in, you know, one year, whatever, one one and a half, six months. Um, It's something that never really goes away. It's your motivation is something you always need to nourish. Uh, So it's a marathon in knowing yourself as well as all the academic bits. Um, things that would really help with this, I think, is surrounding yourself with people who support you and cheer you on. I think following the likes of you and me on social media tends to help with that. Uh, if you don't have uh, someone in your immediate vicinity uh, like that, um, using all the support you can at your disposal, all the podcasts, all the websites, uh, but ultimately bringing it back to how it's going to help you in your exams, because you are really the best judge of all of this. And that's some brilliant advice because there is so much out there that's at students' fingertips that has really developed in the last few years that kind of weren't out there, you could say, 10, 15 years ago and and access to students. Martina, as always, I really appreciate you coming on and giving great insight into um, yourself and the the, 625 point student and, and what it takes. But can you tell us before we go, what is the Instagram handle and the webpage uh, for 625? Um, it's always my pleasure and thank you for having me. The handle is at 625 points, 625 is a number and then points is a word on all the different platforms. Um, so again, thank you for tuning in. Martina, thanks so much. Bye-bye.